0: journeying an important revelation at some point we find a slow dawning realization that crosses the mind the journey is as vital as the destination sought care in getting to the arriving is a lesson well taught the journey of the first century church that generation that met Jesus personally, their journey toward a destination was just as important as the destination itself. Actually, we're still moving towards the destination and we're on journey as well. So this morning is really about journeying. We're returning to uh, going through the Acts of the Apostles and we're going to kind of jump in Acts 19. And We've really traveled a long ways through that account. So I just want to remind you that this journey is towards a destination. The journey begins in Jerusalem. When they were together for the last time, the disciples asked, Master, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? Is this the time? I'd like to suggest to you, that's the destination. It's the restoration of the rule of God. And it's not just for Israel. It's for all of humanity. And so when God is thrown out, in a sense, he's rebelled against in the Garden of Eden, where this whole thing has been going is God back in the Garden with humanity and the rebellion is over. And the, 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 all, the whole of the Bible, from Genesis 3 to, to the end of Revelation, is all about the restoration of his rule over his creation. That's, the, that's where we're going. That's where this is headed And as we go there, we have to journey. And so Jesus actually did not answer the question with saying, yes, that's the destination. He actually says, well, you don't get to know the time of arrival at that destination. What you will get is the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you'll be able to be on the journey toward toward that destination. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all over Judea and Samaria, even to the ends of the world. You'll be my witnesses, the witnesses of me, Jesus, being Messiah. The witness of the church is Jesus is the anointed one. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the king. The king has arrived. And with the king, the kingdom has arrived they are witnesses of the king and his kingdom arriving, then the benefits of that kingdom arriving include the forgiveness of our sins. Get Get it? Forgiveness is part of something bigger. Great to be forgiven of my sins. I am grateful that I have a place to go when I'm a wretched person. Really grateful. But it's part of a bigger deal than what God is trying to do. The destination is the restoration of his rule over all of creation and we're on the journey our journey through Acts has taken us through Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria it's taken us to Antioch and then Antioch became, becomes this place of departure for this first missionary journey and you've got Barnabas and Saul going to Cyprus through Asia Minor coming back to Antioch and that leads you to a second journey and that's Paul and Silas and they go back from Antioch into Asia Minor while Barnabas and John Mark, they probably go to Alexandria. Antioch and Syria, Alexandria and Rome were the three biggest cities at that time in the world. So this message of the king and his kingdom is going to the biggest places on the planet at the time. So Paul's moving towards Asia Minor into Europe. He's he's ultimately wanting to get to Rome, then back to Antioch. And this morning we're gonna kinda start in this third journey and, but it's, 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 it's really a We ended in Ephesus, which is in Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey. And you ended with uh, a team, uh, Priscilla and Aquila. It, it, it is important that the, the lady's name is first. She was the lead in the team. Don't want to miss that. That is a subtlety in the, in the, the story. So, ladies, you do have a place of leadership in the church. The things we argue about that are ridiculous... That would be one of them. Um, so Priscilla and Aquila are, are left in Ephesus, and Apollos comes from Alexandria. He doesn't know the whole story, so they fill him in, and then he goes back to Corinth. And so now what's happening is Ephesus is becoming the sending base. And as that's happening, then Paul's coming overland again from Antioch and Syria, over the mountains, back into Ephesus. And so that's where we are in the beginning of this third journey so we're in Acts 19, 1 through 7. Here we go. This is going to be fun. Now it happened that while Apollos was away in Corinth, Paul made his way through the mountains and he came to Ephesus and happened on some disciples there. The first thing he said was, the first thing he said was, the first thing that Paul said to some disciples as he came over the mountains in Ephesus, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? is that usually the first question you have in a conversation of people that you meet probably not did you take God into your mind only or did you also embrace him with your heart did he get inside you we've never heard of that a a, a Holy Spirit who's that God within us that sounds a little different Well, then Paul said, well, how were you baptized then? In John's baptism. That explains it, Paul said. John preached a baptism of radical life change, a baptism of repentance, so that people would be ready to receive the one coming after him, who turned out to be Jesus. If you've been baptized in John's baptism, you're ready now for the real thing, Jesus. And they were. And as soon as they heard of it, they were baptized in the name of the Master Jesus. Paul put his hands on their heads, and the Holy Spirit entered them. From that moment on, they were praising God in tongues and talking about God's actions. Altogether, there were about 12 people there that day. On Paul's mind... As he travels over the mountains into Ephesus and runs into 12 disciples, the first question out of his mind, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? The only way that I can understand that is connecting it back to the mission that he's part of, the journey that he's part of. If you're following Jesus, are you empowered by the Holy Spirit to deliver the message? That's really what the question is. Have you just mentally made some sort of assent to the Messiah's coming or from the very, very core of who you are as a person, have you embraced Jesus as the king with the kingdom arriving in, I mean, the core, from the, from the inside out? Did the Holy Spirit actually get in you and empower your witness of the king and his kingdom. That's that's the question. That was foremost on Paul's mind. What's on his mind is, how does this message get out? The thing for Paul that you don't ever want to forget is that he had a conversation with Jesus on the road to Damascus. And I don't think he ever recovered from that. Jesus, the resurrected one, spoke to him, appeared to him, and blew his circuits. It changed his mind about resurrection. The timing of it, that was a premature resurrection. It changed his mind about Jesus. It changed his mind about the kingdom of God. It reoriented him towards life and ministry. So that's why this first thing comes out and if this message of resurrection of king and kingdom is going to get out to the world those that are following Jesus as they've got to be empowered by the holy spirit or it just is not going to happen and so these 12 i mean they 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 were honest this whoa, have, we have never heard about this they were like apollos they'd heard the first of the story they hadn't heard the rest of the story and so just like Priscilla and Aquila took Apollos aside and said, well, let us fill you in. You've got a great beginning. Now let's give you the rest of the details. So Paul is doing the same with these 12. I don't know if you can relate to the, like, a uh, Holy Spirit, like a uh, God in... I mean, the, the begin, my beginning years as a follower of Jesus, I mean, really, quite literally, I... I I hung out with people that would not talk about the Holy Spirit. They just figured if we don't talk about the Holy Spirit, we just can ignore him. They didn't deny him. But at the time, you know, it's back at Scripture songs. Some of you remember this, you know, Father, we adore you. Lay our lives before you. Remember that old tune? And then we'd sing, Jesus, we adore you. We never sang, Spirit, we adore you. We just, we just left that verse out. And then I remember, I remember being somewhere and I, just, I mentioned the Holy Spirit. And this older person, I really loved them. They loved Jesus. Oh, we never talk about the Holy Spirit. We, don't, we know we exist, but we never talk about it. So I've been where those 12. Holy Spirit, God, God in us, I, I, I can relate to that. And I can also relate to a powerless witness going out and telling people about Jesus, but like it's the conversation that just falls off the end of the table. No actual power, no actual presence with that presentation. So that's where, that's where these folks are. And so then Paul takes them, okay, if you've never heard about the Holy Spirit, God is not within you, God the Holy Spirit is not within you, your message is not being in power, then what, what, where are you? Well, where were you in, the, like, this process? Well, it's, we've, we've been baptized into John's baptism. So then that gives us an opportunity to talk about baptisms. John's baptism was a water baptism. It was a baptism of repentance. It was a baptism of preparation for the welcoming of Messiah. Remember, John the Baptist is the forerunner before Jesus the Messiah arrives. He's preparing the way for the Lord. So he's calling people out into the wilderness to get ready for the arrival of the Anointed One, the King, Messiah. It's in anticipation of believing in Jesus. But then there's another baptism. It's the baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus That baptism comes after the arrival of Jesus and after the announcement of the kingdom. Like John's baptism, it is a water baptism, but it also includes the laying on of hands and the coming of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came. When these 12 were baptized and Paul laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came. And evidence was that they began to speak in tongues, and they began to prophesy. Which is, they begin not—it's not about foretelling the future. They begin to be empowered to proclaim what God was up to in a, in a powerful, winsome way. And the, and the tense of those verbs, is that it began at that moment and it continued. Something—I mean, again, their whole life was reoriented. It's the coming of the Spirit. The coming of the Holy Spirit is an impartation from one who has to another who has not. Paul had been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and Ananias had laid hands on him. He received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit indwelt him. What was imparted to Paul, he could impart to others, which he did. It's a spiritual coming. It's an appearance of the Holy Spirit now, sometimes that coming, that appearance of the Holy Spirit is made visible. You can't see the Holy Spirit any anywhere than you can see the wind. You can feel the wind, but you can't see the wind. You can feel the Holy Spirit, you can feel the presence, but you can't see it. So sometimes His presence is made visible. In this case, it was made visible by these individuals that begin to express in tongues and prophetic words. Now, for most of my evangelical life, I was taught that tongues had to be a bona fide language. I'm here to report to you, sadly, that those that believe that tongues have ceased supply that as a way of saying tongues have ceased. But if you go to just the standard Greek lexicon, uh, the standard Greek lexicon that was given to me when I was traveling through a seminary that was cessationist, you find out that glossoleia, the Greek word, is used here in a technical way. It's not just the languages of human beings. It is used that way. It is about languages. But it is defined the broken speech of persons in religious ecstasy. That's not a bona fide language. (laughs) That means that when Paul baptized these 12 individuals and then he laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit appeared and he appeared in a visible way that like these people had an overwhelming emotional Reaction to the presence of God and they erupted out of that emotion with this broken speech it's like they were wigged out I mean like like eternity touched them and it overrode all of their circuits and they kind of lost the ability to speak intelligibly and it's really a good thing not a bad thing if you connect it back with... There's only three places in Acts that this happens. So again, why in the world do we make this, we make this huge argument out of this thing? Let's look at it together. It happens in Pentecost. When the Holy Spirit first infuses His power, you'll be empowered by the Holy Spirit to be our witnesses. What happens on the day of Pentecost? They are witnessing to God's wonders in the languages of the people that are there. What are they doing? I mean, don't miss the point the point is not about speaking in another language the point is about communicating as witnesses to who God is and what God is doing to the king and his kingdom to the resurrection of Jesus God wants to communicate with humanity and he does that through people that come to know him and have this overwhelming experience and all of a sudden they're empowered to communicate his message and sometimes it comes through tongues they also begin to proclaim This is what God is doing. And that that proclamation would have centered on the resurrection of Jesus. It would have centered on Jesus is the Messiah. It would have centered on Jesus has introduced the kingdom of God to humanity. Again and again and again. That's what their message was. And now they're empowered by the Holy Spirit to deliver that. And it's not just a one-time experience that they had, but this is really the beginning of a ministry for them. That they would begin to be the empowered witnesses out of Ephesus that need to be there, and I want you—I really want you to—I just, I brought, just one last thing. I want you to see. There's only 12 people here. We're not talking about 1,200. We're not talking about 12,000. 12 people stand up. Just if you're one of the 12, stand up. What? There, Go, go. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. That's only it. Nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Oh, okay, that's it. No, wait, 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 wait. Look around. That's twelve people. Okay, this is twelve people. Okay, thank you. Have a seat. And please notice, they're not in a church building. They're not in a revival tent. They're somewhere in the streets of Ephesus or maybe they're in somebody's home. But there are 12 people empowered by the Holy Spirit to be the witnesses of Jesus to the ends of the world. What's happening in this story that we're in, this journey that we're on. The story has empowered witnesses in Jerusalem and as they're empowered by the Holy Spirit They go out into Jerusalem, Samaria, and Judea, and then they spill over into Syria. Now, in the process of that, when this good news about the king and his kingdom moves from being a Jews-only message to Gentiles, you have the Holy Spirit appearing in Cornelius' house, and Gentiles then have this moment of ecstasy being enveloped with God's presence and empowered to be his witnesses. From Jerusalem to Cornelius' house, the third place is right here in Ephesus. Ephesus now is the place where more empowered witnesses of the king and the kingdom have to go out across into Europe and beyond to the ends of the world. My friend, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit is to empower people that are following Jesus to tell their generation, the king has arrived. The kingdom is here. God is ending the rebellion. God has something better in store for humanity. It's a a message that revolutionized that first generation. It needs to revolutionize our generation. But we've got to get back to the message. The message is Jesus is alive. The resurrection has happened. The message is Jesus is the promised king. He is the Messiah. He is God's chosen anointed one. And the kingdom of God, which sets everything right, has begun. It's begun. That's our message our generation so for us as a community of people reading our story reading our past that just leads me to ask these questions have we as a community of people more than 12 of us a commu- have we have we received the Holy Spirit are we a community that lives in relationship with Father Son and Holy Spirit Are we a community that's empowered by the Holy Spirit to really be the witness that we are meant to be to our generation? Have we embraced Jesus intellectually, emotionally, volitionally, spiritually, physically? I mean, every fiber, every bit of us from the inside out, the deepest part. I mean, are we a wholeheartedly embracing community? And it comes down to, is the Holy Spirit inside us? Another way to say that, are we the temple of the Holy Spirit? These are experiences. There's no way to get around. This is experiential. This is not just a verse out of the Bible. This isn't just some theological position This is our experience with the living God. Is he in us? And does he work through us to build a community like this? But this community is built not for itself, but this community is built to take his message to the world. So where are we on this journey? Because this is our journey too. So if the church loses sight of the journey, the journey to deliver God's message to humanity, we become something very different than what we're reading about. And quite frankly, our generation stops listening to us. I'm going to ask us to do something. So let me explain what I'm going to ask us to do. One, I, again, this would, this would be a theological statement. So you can take it for that. I think what happens with the twelve that are decide, that they're baptized by, by Paul, that's what Christian baptism is. It's being baptized in water, Buried with Christ, raised with Christ. And at that moment, somebody lays their hands on us and invites the Holy Spirit to fill us. That's what Christian baptism is. Paul is practicing for us what Christian baptism is. It's meant to be something that happens at the time together. Now, we don't live in a perfect world, and we don't have a perfect understanding of how God works. So, for many of us... We've been baptized in water. I was baptized in water. Buried in Christ, I had a sense of clean. I was cleansed. I knew. I knew where to go to ask for forgiveness, and I went there a lot because I was powerless. I did not. I just, I just and I went. I went on and on and on and on and on until the ever-ready bunny ran out of juice, and I finally hit a wall. And I said, "You know, gum it." this mental ascent you know keeping my faith in my head and it's not translating into my heart it's not touching the places where I've been broken this doesn't work this does not work and so fortunately I was around people that said you know really it has to do with what kind of relationship do you have with the Holy Spirit and I said I don't so well we can fix that. So at the time of my... I've, I've had this gap between the Holy Spirit filling me in baptism. But it, in the, what I think the Bible is teaching, it needs to be together. So maybe this morning, this is what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that some of us have been baptized in water. We've been wonderfully cleansed. We've been raised to life. We're bona fide followers of Jesus but because of the different interpretations of what the Holy Spirit is and who He is and how He is da-da-da-da-da, maybe we have not had the opportunity for somebody to lay their hand on us and say, come Holy Spirit, empower this witness in the name of Jesus. It's just really that simple. Now, it gets complicated because we as a community, if we do that genuinely, we can't control the outcome. See, we we may lay hands on somebody today and they might wig out. I mean, all their circuits go, whoa, whoa, whoa! And they might get real emotional. They might get loud or they might not. This only works if we let God be the one that scripts what happens. He may want you to have this moment of ecstasy and you lose control of your ability to speak and you start mumbling something. So be it. Or he may not. We can't script that. I do know that he wants to empower our lives so that we live well and that we take his message and deliver it to our generation. I know that. But the details and how we deal, it, we're individuals. Some of us need to have those overwhelming experiences. Others of us don't. Does that make sense? Okay, the next thing I'm gonna do, this, I'm not, I am not making the dividing line between the haves and the have nots, so hear me. This is very important. But I do know that some of us have, in our history, in our journey, we've been baptized in water and somebody's laid their hands on us and said, come Holy Spirit. We've been, we've been empowered by the Holy Spirit. Some of us have not. Again, I'm not trying to sort out the haves and the have not. The Holy Spirit dwells within all who are following Jesus. But not all of us are plugged into the power. That's just, the, that's just simple... What I want to bring us to is what has been imparted to us. Someone has laid their hands on me and said, come Holy Spirit. I've been empowered by the Holy Spirit. To be totally transparent with you, I have a phrase in another language that I don't understand. It's just a little phrase. And I'm totally in control of that phrase. I can use it or not use it. And God's never asked me to use it in public. So again, that's how he's dealt with me. But he's given me the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. Now it's mine to say, I want to give that away. And that can in part go from me to you. Several of us have had similar experiences. So if we're going to be an empowered community, some of us have been plugged in, others not. We can give that to each other. It's there for the asking No one no one's going to be forced at all. But I'm going to to invite those of us that have been that someone has laid their hands on us, either at our time of baptism, it needs to be connected with baptism in some way. You've been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You've been buried with him, you've been raised. And someone has said, Come, Holy Spirit. And you know that you've been empowered by him. It's not about speaking in tongues. Some of us do, some of us don't. But there is God's presence in us empowering us to live and proclaim. If you've had that kind of experience, because that's what it is, could you just stand where you are? Okay. Now, could I ask from where you are could you just kind of spread out, not, you know, spread out around the room. Just wherever just kind of step out. Okay. There's only a couple more questions I want to ask of you. One, it is important that you believe that what has been imparted to you can be given away to others. The other part of that is what has been imparted to you can be given away to others, but you need to be in a good place with Jesus. I mean, you can't be living in rebellion against Jesus and this impartation come through you. That, you know, that's not a good thing. So if you're in a good place, with you know, you're, you're with Jesus, you're not rebelling against him, then what you have can be given away. And then I would say just to the rest of us, these are ordinary people who have had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And if at this time in your life, you would like someone to lay their hand on you and to ask the Holy Spirit to come and to empower your life, your living, your following of Jesus, and to empower your witness of our King and His kingdom, then these are the folks. You can go to any of these folks and allow them to pray for you. Okay? If you don't, we're not keeping record. You know? If it's your moment, great. If it's not your moment, that's okay. So let me take a moment, just say a short prayer, and then we'll just have a bit of ministry time, kingdom time. Lord, I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for your message, and I'm grateful for a community of people who want to be in this journey towards the final destination of you ruling and reigning on the earth again with all of humanity, following you, obeying you, and living life at its very best. And I thank you that until that destination, thank you that you want to be in this journey with us and you want to empower us to go on this journey, to do it well, not perfectly, but well. You want to give us the ability to end the rebellion in ourselves and you want to give us the ability to proclaim your message of salvation, a new world coming but beginning now. You want us to be empowered to give that message. So for those of us that have not had the opportunity to be empowered by you, I just ask that you would speak to us. And I ask you to direct us. And I ask that if this is our moment, if this is our moment, to in a sense kind of finalize our baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be be empowered to be His witness, I ask that you would give us the courage to receive that ministry today. For those of us that are praying, I pray that we would be just overwhelmingly grateful for who you are and what you've done in our life and allow you to impart the person and the power of the Holy Spirit through us to another in your name.